a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Uh, listen, I, I'd invite you to go back and listen to the conversation I just had with uh, a gentleman named Tim Coots. He is a Washington Terrace resident here in the state of Utah, and four years ago, a contestant on Jeopardy. He won, uh, I think, four games uh, playing there in front of Alex Trebek. My invitation to you is first download the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services, and on there you can access uh, past segments of the program. Go back and listen to what Tim had to say as he characterized the excellence uh, that was, you know, possessed by Alex Trebek, who we uh, sadly have learned recently uh, passed away at the age of eighty uh, after living a, a long and successful life, and for the last thirty-seven years serving as host of Jeopardy. Uh, fascinating man, fascinating life, uh, and, and a good interview. Uh, I'd recommend you you have a listen. Tim Coots, one uh, thirty uh, is when that aired. Now, though, <clears throat> I am joined by uh, Major Dan Wheatley, who joins us with the mobile testing team from the Utah Army National Guard. Uh, Major, sir, how are you? Good. How you doing, Lee? Good. Uh, first off, I'm grateful to you for joining us. I know you have uh, you know important duties to take care of and to spare a few moments to explain what's going on. Uh, I am grateful for that time. The governor has recently declared a state of emergency, uh, and in response to that, the uh, National Guard members, uh, the numbers have, have increased and the areas of support have increased. But let's go backwards a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, just characterize for us uh, what has been the National Guard's involvement in providing aid to stem the spread of COVID-19 since, uh, say, March of this year. Yeah, sure thing. So, so I'm the I'm the OIC of the mobile testing teams. So our teams specifically do uh, do the testing events throughout the state. So we we go you know everywhere throughout the state and conduct testing. And we we pretty much conduct our testing at long-term care facilities, but we also do uh, vulnerable vulnerable populations as well as uh, critical infrastructure. Um, and then you know more recently we've been doing some school events and uh, kind of things like that. But uh, we we've been operating since uh, early May. But we've got some other teams in the National Guard that have been operating since March uh, to include a, a warehouse team. Uh, we've also got teams that do contact tracing uh, as well as facility assessments. Uh, we've got some members working at the state lab. Uh, helping out there with in processing and uh, and things like that. So so we've been we've been operating for uh, quite a while now uh, throughout the state. In the the long term care facility testing, what is that? Uh, what does that entail? Are there special precautions that need to be taken when testing takes place there? What's the experience like for both uh, the, the the patients and members of the guard? Yeah, so we we get our assignments through the Department of Health. So the the facility contacts the state, and that's kind of how it's 
how it's set up. So they, they reach out to us and then uh, we, we work in conjunction with, uh, with them to, to conduct the testing. So uh, we have, you know, we have SPs in place for our, uh, our PPE usage um, as well as, you know, the way we conduct ourselves at the facilities. So, uh, you know, so we conduct a, a very sanitary process at these facilities and, uh, and test all of the, all of the members that, uh, that the facility requests us to. Hmm. And with the declaration of this state of emergency, the new declaration by Governor Gary Herbert, what does the expanded help look like on the part of the National Guard? So with it with it only being uh, you know less than 48 hours ago, we're really still kind of waiting on the details uh, of that and how it will specifically affect us. But but that said, we've been uh, we've been increasing our capability over the last few months. Uh, we started with with maybe about 30 to 40 members of our mobile testing teams, and as of today, we're up to 116 members. So it's uh, you know it's something that we've already done in the past, and we're we're ready to to execute that again. Um, we're we're pretty much just kind of waiting for for word uh, that that we're going to increase even more than what we already have. On the phone with Major Dan Wheatley with the National Guard's mobile testing team speaking about uh, the aid that the Utah National Guard has lended to the fight against the spread of COVID-19 here in the state. Uh, the governor, as you heard us discussing a moment ago, has declared uh, a renewed state of emergency, and that has uh, triggered an increased uh, level of support on the part of the National Guard. Uh, Major, as as Patients interact with members of the National Guard. Are they interacting with with guardsmen in uniform, or would you even know if you had been aided by someone in the National Guard? Yeah, I, I guess it can be a little tricky for, for members of the public. Generally, our team members go out in civilian attire and you know put put the PPE on over the top of that. So uh, so a lot of times you know you won't see us out there in uniform. Um, you'll just see us in uh, in regular clothes like everyday civilians. Well, then let me, on behalf of everyone who has received aid from uh, members of the National Guard, say thank you. You may not know you'd been uh, helped by someone, tested by someone, aided in some capacity by someone who uh, not only serving you right there, but has uh, demonstrated a willingness to, to serve their country. That's an admirable thing. Thank you for that. Uh, what does, is there a timeline? I know you said we're just 48 hours into uh, this, the, the state of emergency being declared, but, uh, but what's happening today as you gear up for this next phase? Well, today we're, we're conducting our operations just like any other day. We've got, uh, I think we've got about 27 different operations throughout the state today. And, you know, we're going to conduct upwards of, of about 2,000 tests today. Uh, in, you know, we're, we're hearing, you know, some, uh, some buzz around the state about increasing our numbers and, you know, sending more service members to us to, to increase our capacity. But, you know, as it stands right now, we're, uh, we're business as usual and uh, just waiting for word to increase. Uh, Major Dan Wheatley, thank you so much for uh, your service and the information you've shared with us here today. Yeah, thanks, Lee. All righty. Fascinating stuff. And listen, as we are on the eve of Veterans Day, it is important to remember that the Utah National Guard is, uh, you know, they're not just weekend warriors. There are uh, men and women across this great state who have uh, put their arm to the square and sworn an oath to uphold and defend this nation uh, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And in this sense, uh, the enemy is invisible. 
It is the coronavirus. It is this pandemic which is creeping into every corner of our lives. Uh, and we are lucky to have men and women across this state right now who are only increasing in number uh, to help come to our aid. Quick break. When we return after the news, we'll be speaking with the director of emergency management at Utah Valley University. How do they intend to test so many students? We'll find out next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 